Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. The other big news from last night was the return of Tyrese Maxey. Um, what'd you think of how he looked? What'd you think of the fact that he didn't start? Um, weird minutes usage. Like he barely played early on and then kind of played the big minutes late when they were really trying to come back and, and win the game. Just what'd you think of him overall? Uh, he looked like a guy who hasn't played basketball since November 19th yes. or 18th or whatever it is. Um, I, I'm not, it's not like a big deal, obviously, because he just needs to get his legs back under him. These guys will always tell you there's a huge difference between, you know, I'm getting practice reps and uh, I'm getting back in the swing of things there and playing at game speed and readjusting to game speed after a layoff is obviously a big deal. I do think he got better as the game went on, at least on offense. Like We saw a lot of uh, attacks along the baseline. He had a, a three, did some stuff that it like did some Tyrese Maxey type stuff, and that was good. Nice. I, think he's, I don't think we saw any noticeable physical drop off. Like I do think we saw the burst a little bit. We didn't really see him in transition, so maybe we didn't see the the top end speed, but. You know, by the end of that game, it started to feel like, all right, he's going to need a couple of games, but he's all right. He'll be, you know, up and running soon enough. Um, obviously, the most interesting thing was him coming off the bench. And I think at least in the first game, that's not going to lead to a whole lot of, you know, speculation and chatter about whether that's going to stick. I did get a text from uh, someone around the NBA, we'll just say. I won't say who. Mm-hmm last night like so are are people prepared for the fact that Tyrese might never start again wow and I thought that was pretty strong like I still tend to believe that they have to chase that offensive ceiling 
But I do think it's interesting that, you know, people who are not, not, it's not someone like invested in the Sixers, not a, not yeah. a fan, not somebody covering the team uh, locally. And they're seeing and they're thinking, you know, Melton has been so good and such a good complimentary piece alongside Harden and Joel that, you know, they're thinking, hey, maybe this will uh, be a permanent thing. So I, I'm I'm very curious to see how they ramp Tyrese up here and if this changes or if they stick with this lineup that they've had going on. Well, it's a super interesting power dynamic because – let's be real, a lot of who decides what starts in the NBA is politics at the end of the day. And if you look at it, what that text to me basically means is Doc ain't benching PJ Tucker is what that pretty much means. Like it, Because if PJ Tucker is going to stay in the lineup and as is DeAnthony Melton, you're obviously not going to bench Harden. Then where is Tyree starting? You're not going to bench Toby. And even if you do, you're not going to, unless you, I guess, could move Tucker over. But I doubt you're going to bench him and you're clearly not benching Embiid. So the main person you would bench there is Tucker. And that just, to me, that takeaway from that text is Doc Rivers is not benching PJ Tucker. Well, so I don't, I think it's publicly the discussion is about DeAnthony and Tyrese, right? Like, I think that if you move Tyrese back to the starting lineup, it makes more sense for on a couple fronts that Melton is the guy because you put him on the bench and he's at least giving you some pop. Like you get some more ball handling. He can shoot, do all the the little things and defend, obviously. Whereas PJ moves to the bench and it's just like, you know, what is he doing? Yeah, what's he bringing like, up? Yeah. He doesn't. And, you know, last night we saw some lineups where PJ, it was a Montrez, PJ, and Niang three through five, which I don't want to ever see that on a basketball <laughs> court again. It's just like completely unplayable. Yeah. But that sort of illustrates the problem, right? Like George has been one of your most reliable role players off the bench. So if you know he's playing, you can't, once you go to your bench, you can't also plan to have PJ coming in in those minutes because then you just get impossibly slow and teams that are going smaller are going to kill you. The only reason that I am wary of the benching PJ and playing that three guard look, which I know we've talked about a lot, is that there are going to be teams that they just can't defend mm-hmm. with that three guard lineup. And I do think Doc tried very briefly in the fourth quarter last night to give that group a look and it did not go well. Now every team is not going to have Zion Williamson on the floor, which right. he kind of blows lineups like that up and especially a small lineup like that. Yeah. But there are also a lot of, you know, big wings, athletic wings around the NBA, especially on good teams that are also going to kill that lineup. So I'm fascinated to see that's one of the big talking points we've talked about that I've written about moving forward is how much can they use a three guard lineup? Is Tyrese just going to take that starting spot back that I think he's more than earned with his play and the work he's put in over the years, or is Doc going to make a, you know, a bold decision and, stick with this group that for the most part has had it working. Well, but my question for you would be, is this team really not going to start Tyrese? You think about the fact that isn't it, isn't it this off season they can max him out or is it the following off season? Yeah, I believe he's extension eligible this off season. So if he's extension eligible and I think he probably still is on path to get it up before the injury, you would have said it's almost no questions asked. He's going to get it leading into this season, but are they really going to not start a guy that in, 
I don't know, six months or whatever it is, they're going to hand a full max, a full max extension to, or something similar to it. Uh, it'd be a bold move, especially because he has a pretty powerful agent in terms yeah. of the NBA landscape. So I don't know how much uh, poking of the bear you want to do there. I do think that they also, they is in the Sixers and they is in Rich Paul and Tyrese's management. They all see that he's been given a great opportunity here. It's not like he, uh, he has suffered being in Philadelphia. His development's been great. He obviously has become a tremendously better player since making the jump to the league. So I think if it came down to that, I think the Sixers would point out all those things. And the other part of it with Tyrese is like, even if they got upset and said, you know, oh, he got demoted, like we don't like that, whatever. If they decided they want to try to chase a deal somewhere else, he's a restricted free agent next year. Mm -hmm. So they have the right to match and are keeping him pretty much regardless. The only way it would be a real danger is if he decides he wants to just sign like a one-year deal on his next contract. And then so he can write his own ticket anywhere after that. And, you know, very, very, very few guys have ever done that because the the long-term money is just too good. And I don't see him doing that, but, you know, I, I guess we're going to see. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, and Tyrese, um, in my limited, very limited time around him, doesn't seem like the troublemaking type. Like he doesn't yeah. seem like someone that's going to come in and, you know, throw a fit. And I, you've talked about this too. I think his energy around the team is very important. His youthfulness, you talked about how his locker is, you know, right next to Joel's. I, I think he's an important kind of vibe guy for this team. I don't think the Sixers would want to mess with that. But at the same time, you know, for all the greatness the Sixers have done for him, I guess, in terms of giving him opportunities, a late first round pick and all those things, it's about to be payday. And as you mentioned, his representatives and his management are well aware of the huge check that he could get. And that check might not be as big if he becomes a role player. So I know we're projecting pretty far in, into the future, but now that he's back, I think for one game you can get away with, yeah, he's coming off the bench. How do you think this plays out? Do you think they're really going to take him off the bench or is this going to be Melton pretty much heading to the bench? Uh, I personally do not think that they have the, or that Doc has the guts. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't think he's going to bench Tyrese. Like I think this yeah. is a, this is very much a, a thing where he's just going to go with who they had to start the year. He can write off the record or their, their bad record early in the season as we were trying to figure things out. We didn't have Joel wasn't at full go yet. They were trying to figure out the offensive chemistry and he'll just put Tyrese back out there knowing that he's been great alongside Joel and James, broadly speaking, and they'll live and die with that. I, st I, I understand why people might think he would be better in a six man role. I do think it sort of ignores the numbers there. Like Tyrese has been much better as part of the Joel and James lineups than he has been as a 
Like I'm running the offense. I'm the solo ball handler, all that, mm-hmm. because he can do more of the, the second side attacking, the spot up shooting, running off a of Harden in transition, as opposed to being the guy who's got to run the offense, play, make for others, do all that stuff. So I, I just, I think it's better for him to start just from a pure basketball perspective, like forget all the politics, forget all the other stuff. I think it's much, much better for him. And, you know, if, if we say he's one of their three most important players, knowing and playing a lineup that's best for him at all times is not as big a priority as it is for Joel and James, but it's, he's right behind those guys in yeah. terms of importance. So, you know, I, I think they do have to keep that in mind. I think they ultimately will. But again, I come back to these li- the lineup with Melton in his place makes a lot of sense on paper and has absolutely destroyed teams for the most part. So, well, and, and then it's going to be fun. <laughs> well, yeah, or incredibly tense and ugly, depending how it plays out. But um, yeah. I mean, the other part of this too is, and it's just one game again, but if we're going to do pods after every game, I think we're allowed some room to overreact. Maxi was minus 18 and negative 18 last night. That was the worst on the team. And so when you combine that with the fact that the lineup has been better with Melton on the floor and it comes back to the same thing about the windows, you know, like if Maxi, you're right. If Maxi's the third most important player on the team, then building some things around him is not crazy. It's not outrageous to say that, okay, this guy's an important part of our future. He probably has the brightest future of anybody considering Joel's age. Yeah. Do some things that work well for him. Those things just don't seem to really work well for every other player on the court in the starting five. So it's the same kind of question. You know, I, I hate to bring up the word trade, even though it is my favorite word. I don't think they're going to trade him this this season. But if they're better with Melton, if he's contract eligible this this offseason and he's and he's not going to start, I don't know. It's the same question again and again. Are they better just trading that chip in now and capitalizing on on what on building around Joel and Harden for one final run. Yeah. You don't have to answer it, but it's just what I, it's what I think about when I see him come back and struggle to kind of fit in. Well, and I do think like my, my read on the situation is that nobody is untouchable on this team except for Joel and James. Like those two are not moving this year. Everybody else, there's at least some chance. Now, obviously Mm -hmm. the chance is not as big for Maxi as it is, you know, like Matisse Thibault, who I think they'll, I, I would guess he probably gets moved before the end of the year, just because I don't think they want to clearly the way they're playing him. They don't want to pay him in the yeah. off season. So I think that's, that's an obvious one. Tyrese is closer, a lot closer to untouchable than not, but I do think they are cognizant of the idea that, you know, if we're pushing our chips in, if we're really going for it this year, he's, clearly the guy that would return the most now he'd have to be attached to tobias most likely just because of the the salary stuff and trying to get somebody back but uh, i don't think he's quite at that level that they would just like turn down any trade just because his name is in it they would be very considerate of where he would move they're not itching to trade him but i i certainly don't think that he is like that's definitely the long-term building block guy is what I would say. So was that the case in the Harden deal? Cause I remember, you know, following the Harden deal from afar, it was, well, if they give a maxi, then it's no problem. And they basically refused. And to their credit, they ended up getting them. But do you think that was they an unwillingness to move maxi at the time or just, 
they didn't view Harden as a piece good enough to move Maxi for. Because it sounds like you're saying now for the right player, and I'm guessing it's a short list, you know, KD, Lillard, like guys we've talked about that are legit, legit third stars. But do you think last year it was different with Maxi, or the, the Harden piece just wasn't viewed as good enough to, to move him for? I think it was just dependent on the deal, right? Like the Harden, the initial Harden deal with, or the proposals they're making to Houston, the, a big part of it was like, they're trading Ben in that scenario. And if yeah. they're giving up Ben, they don't have any justification to be given up like other young talents. Cause at the time the Houston thing happened, we were not quite at the point with, uh, with Ben, we were, yeah. with Ben, that everyone was like giving up on him or whatever. So I, I think they rightfully held that it's like, all right, we have the best young chip in this deal. We're not giving you other like lots of other stuff too. And they like to their credit too, they've held the line on they didn't make a. Now I think some of this might have been on Toronto's end, but when they talked about trading with Toronto to get Kyle Lowry for their playoff run that ended up when they lost to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They had discussed going after Kyle Lowry, and I know Maxi was sort of a a breaking point or a sticking point in those negotiations. I think that Toronto, I, I'm actually I might be misremembering. There was it was Maxi and Thibel were in the mix there, and Toronto was getting really greedy. And the Sixers at some point were like, "Yeah, we're not giving you the moon and the stars yeah. for six months of Kyle Lowry or whatever." And you know that ended up working out great because. Tyrese Maxey, much better than Kyle Lowry is right now. Yes. Lowry looks super washed. And he, yeah, he's um, very cooked and he's very overpaid. Yeah. So they haven't, like, they have not been going out there saying, you know, we want to trade Tyrese. Like, they've drawn the line on multiple occasions. And these are for, like, very good players. Mm-hmm. A great player in James's case at the time. So it's all going to come down to, you know, what is the specific deal? Um, I don't know that he gets... I, I'd say more often than not, he's not getting traded. That was also the other indication I've gotten is that they're not really close to anything on the trade front right now. Now, that's famous last words. Some people just like to operate with the uh, the cone of silence around them. So we'll see if Daryl hooks something up between now and mid-February. But I, I do think they're, they're willing to make a big move if a big move materializes. 